Hey there, educational rock stars. Are you feeling overwhelmed with lesson planning for your English language learners? Well, I've got some exciting news for you. Introducing our upcoming free webinar, Simplify Your Approach, Three Time-Saving Routines for ELL Success. Join me for a power-packed 45 minutes that's set to revolutionize your teaching strategy. In this webinar, we'll dive into three practical, easy-to-implement routines that will not only enhance your ELL teaching methods, but also save you hours of planning time. Yes, hours. So whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, these insights are tailored to help everyone make the most of their teaching time. Plus, you'll leave this webinar ready to implement these routines the next day. So mark your calendars for our two upcoming dates. I don't want you to miss this opportunity to transform your ELL lesson planning. To reserve your spot, simply sign up at www.equippingells.com slash routines. Trust me, your future self will thank you for it. I'll see you at the webinar. Teaching ELL students is a privilege and a joy. Is it easy? No way. But with the right support, you can feel empowered to tackle each day with ease and confidence. I'm your host, Beth Boshe, founder of Inspiring Young Learners. With over 10 years of teaching both nationally and internationally, I know what it takes to ensure that your ELL students have what they need to thrive today, tomorrow, and for life. I'm on a mission to empower you to equip your English language learners. Welcome to Equipping ELLs. Let's get to today's episode. Hey, Jen, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you here today. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. This is going to be a really fun and really important conversation as we head back into the school year. So Jen, why don't you start with sharing a little bit about your background, what you're doing, all of that good stuff. Yeah. So I was a music teacher in public schools in central New York for about 15 years. And then things shifted a little bit for me during COVID. And I decided to stay home with my own two kids who were five and seven at the time during the fall of 2020. So we did homeschool for a little while. I thought I was just going to stay home for a semester. I started my PhD in educational psychology because I couldn't just do one thing. I needed to do all the things. (laughs) And um, then I eventually dove into some more research about mindset. I've always been really interested in cognitive neuroscience, especially as a middle school teacher. I always thought if we understood brains better, then we would be able to teach better. And unfortunately, many teacher training programs don't give enough background information about how the brain works. We get maybe one semester of educational psychology if we're lucky, but that's it. So cognitive neuroscience was also something that was super interesting to me. So I did more of that research. I became a certified emotional intelligence practitioner. And then by the time it came down to deciding whether or not I wanted to go back to work, you know, my mind was telling me like, yeah, Jen, obviously, you know, you wrote a book about teaching, you were 
conducting all over the place. I was a music teacher, you know, so I was conducting and doing conferences. And of course, that's just kind of what we're doing. We were meant to do this our whole lives. But my body was just screaming at me, Jen, just this is something else that is calling you. Go follow this this calling. So I actually resigned from teaching and I built my company, which is Empowered Educator. And now I use all of my research from my uh, PhD, from my emotional intelligence background, cognitive neuroscience and mindset to work with the adults in schools and really focus on the social emotional well-being of them. Because as you know, there are so many programs out there that focus on the social emotional well-being of kids. And that's amazing, but they don't work or they're not as effective as they could be if we're not actually engaging with the adults in these spaces so they can embody these practices themselves. So that's what I'm doing right now full time. And it's been amazing. We can't keep pouring from empty bottles, right? So it's so, so necessary more than ever to really take that time to fill ourselves up and and work on these practices ourselves as educators, as teachers, as as teachers who have such a heart for helping students go through this. But we need to also take some time to make sure that we're in the right headspace and place. So I'm just super excited to have you on today and talk more about this. Yes. We're going to be starting off with talking about the power of language since those listening are language. We're, we're all language teachers. Some admit it, some don't, but we're all passionate about helping English language learners learn the language. But I think there's an important lesson we need to talk about of the power of language in terms of how we use language with ourselves. So Jen, why don't you go and talk, share a little bit about that? Sure. So I love talking about language, particularly because even before I came to the mindset work, I was very intentional with the words that I used. It was really important to me that I said what I meant and I meant what I said. Mm -hmm. And I thought that kind of language integrity ended there. However, (laughs) as I dove into a lot of this work, I realized, oh, there's so much more to it than just those two pieces that truly, when we think about the language that we're using, it is a direct reflection as to where we're placing our focus and attention. Mm-hmm. And it is a directive to where we place our focus and attention. So for example, um, when we are saying things like, this is so hard, I can't do this. We are actually affirming something in ourselves that it is so hard and I can't do this. And that is where we are directing our attention. So our brain then says, oh, Jen wants to see all the ways in which this is hard and she can't do the thing. I'm going to give her all the evidence that Mm -hmm. makes it correct. And so we're actually inviting more of the same. And you can never outachieve or outperform the language that you use. Mm. And once you truly like let that land and understand that, that truly is where the power of your language exists. Because the way that we talk to ourselves, the words that we put out into the world matter, not just because of the person who is receiving them, but on on a biological level, it matters to the, the way that we experience our own realities. Wow. Wow, there's some truth bombs in there. We need to go back and let's do it again right now. <laughs> so let's take that example. This is so hard. I can't do this. How can we flip that? Let's talk about that a little bit. Sure. So here's the thing where a lot of like the mindset stuff goes a little awry. 
(laughs) because what happens is it's like, oh, well, if we just like think positive, then everything's fine. But that's total crap. We all know that it doesn't work that way. Right. (laughs) Because even if the moment you're like, okay, I can do this, I can do this. And you do this for a second. The next time it comes around, it could be five minutes later. It could be a week later. It's still going to feel hard because nothing actually changed. Yeah. We just like thought something different for a minute. And that's not actually how you create sustainable transformation. Okay. Um, so this is actually a bigger answer than maybe you were expecting. So we'll go, we'll do this piece by piece. Great. I love it. <laughs> so so the, the first thing in this example of this is so hard, which is something common that you hear your students say all the time, that you yourself say a lot. Yep. I mean, like, let's just kind of call it what it is. There are a right? lot of hard things in teaching. There are a lot of things. And yes, we can do hard things and all of that, like all of those yeah. beautiful things that we say, <laughs> they're lovely, but they don't make change unless we kind of understand what's going on here um, underneath it all. So Good. yeah, the, the first thing is understanding, well, what am what does this mean about me? Like, what am mm-hmm. I making this mean? I feel like this is so hard because, and answering that sentence or finishing that sentence is really important because we get underneath the the root, right? So like we pick up this root and we're like, oh, that's interesting. But then like we look underneath it and we find out yep. what, what yep. the honesty really is behind there. So can, do you mind just playing with me for a little bit so we yeah, can kind of work yeah. this out? Okay. So if, if you were to say to me, oh, Jen, this is so hard and you can just make this up. But if I was like, okay, Beth, this is so hard because how would you finish that sentence? Well, let's, okay. Let's, let's make it really practical. So yeah. I'm not in the classroom right now, but I go and help at my daughter's school. So I'm working mm-hmm. with two kids who one has some needs and really far behind in her grade level. The other one's a newcomer. So I'm just taking it in a sense of how a teacher would approach it as well of like, wow, this is so hard because I don't see them making progress. I don't know what to do next. I feel like the time I'm spending with them is not making a big difference. That's kind of where my thoughts would go in that specific situation. Yes. Awesome. So then when we start to understand what those things are, okay, I feel like what I'm doing isn't making a difference. I feel like they're not understanding I don't know. Well, mm-hmm. then we start to hit on some of these insecurities that we might have about ourselves of that. I'm actually not smart enough to do this job. Yeah. Um, what I'm doing isn't enough. Mm-hmm. Do I even matter in this situation? And that's when we can start being like, okay, so this really isn't about being hard. This is actually about some of these inner limiting beliefs that I have about myself that are then being affirmed by well, this is just so hard. And once we get into those inner beliefs, then that's when we can really start to play. And so the next piece of all this, and thank you, by the way, for (laughs) indulging me with that. But then the next piece then is to understand what that feels like in your nervous system. Because when Mm -hmm. you start saying things like, I don't know if I'm enough, I don't know that I'm smart enough, that feels a certain way in your body. Right, which is mm-hmm. why we can't just do mindset work without engaging the body. So yeah. we have this feeling in our body, right? It's tense, it your stomach clenches, right? Your breathing might get a little shallow. And this is because your nervous system is now in a state of stress. It's in a state of fight, flight, or freeze. Because when you're saying it's so hard, you're actually just glossing over the fact that you're feeling all of these things and not addressing all of these underlying feelings that you have. So the best thing you can do over here is create safety in your nervous system Mm. because your job of your nervous system, when I talk about nervous system, I'm talking about brain body. The job of your nervous system is to keep you alive. Mm. The very, like it doesn't care if you're learning. Your nervous system doesn't care if you're happy. It doesn't care if you're expanding or living your dreams. It just wants to keep you safe. 
And so when you're feeling things like I'm not enough, I'm not smart enough, that is scary. And so you're going to go into this fight, flight, or freeze, which means that your body is going to react. Mm. We think thoughts in our mind, we feel feelings in our body, and you can't see your thoughts, but you can feel your feelings. Yeah. So the second you pay attention to your body, then, then you can start to say, okay, I see what's going on here. This is my nervous system working. It's mm. doing a great job because I'm alive right now. Amazing. So we're going to create some safety here because I'm actually not going to die. And in order for me to to show up and serve the student in my highest capacity, I need to regulate myself and make sure that my nervous system is happy so I can actually do the things that I say that I need to do. Mm -hmm. So one of the ways that you get to do this is um, breathing is a really easy way to regulate your nervous system, right? I, I always recommend something simple, three rounds of a box breath, which is inhale for four, pause for four, exhale for four, pause for four. And when you do that, you might be feeling relaxed or maybe even a little sleepy or more calm. But what you're actually doing is regulating your nervous system. Mm. And then you can show up and then say to yourself, okay, is this thing that I'm saying, this is so hard. Is that actually in alignment to who I want to be and who I say that I am? And if the answer is no, then you can start changing your language. Um, Because I think as teacher, I think the biggest area, and you could correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like just especially in elementary, were you, what grades did you teach? Mostly middle school and high okay. school, but I've taught elementary, I've taught pre-K, I've, t- I've taught the gamut. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So you've been all around, but you know, yeah. just that environment culture that the school culture that it breeds is really, really intense. And the comparison that happens. And I think so much of really, it's just the expectation that we feel we need to prove for our value or our worth so that others see that what we're doing is worth it. You know what I mean? So I feel like there's a lot to walk through with that, that comparison, the expectations. And I know, especially as a support teacher, as we're going into other people's classrooms and we have their, you know, feeling their judgment or their opinions on us of how our teaching, there's, there's even more on support teachers. So, you know, have you seen that in your research as well? Oh, a hundred percent. Like Beth, that's like the root of yeah. all of the <laughs> that's things. Right? That feels like the root right there. <laughs> yeah, that is that is literally the root. And that's and then it's not just, you know, it's not just teachers or or yes. EL teachers. This is like literally everybody. So you're in good company. It's yeah. all okay. But that's because it, it it's in the air that we breathe. This external validation yeah. is something that we're constantly chasing to affirm our worth. Yeah. And so what happens is we put our worth up for negotiation. Every single time we have a difficult interaction with an administrator, a teacher, if our student is not performing well, and what does that do to us? Well, we become this ridiculous emotional roller coaster that is reacting to every last perceived good or bad thing that happened to us. And we just end up feeling like crap all the time, where instead, if you are able to shift the way that you see yourself as inherently worthy, as inherently value, where what other people think is actually none of your business, where you can show up with complete integrity with who you are as a human being in alignment with the work that you do in this world. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's powerful. And you then it's so powerful, Beth. And then, and then you get to decide how you show up to other people when they start placing mm-hmm. their own judgments on you, because we all know. All judgment is self-judgment, mm-hmm. right? Um, yeah. But especially when you are in a position as an ELL teacher who needs to advocate not just for your program, but for these babies who Absolutely. don't 
have voices of their own and whose right. families who cannot advocate for them, it is essential that you stand in your power yes. because the people that you are serving do not have the the capital power that they might have had in their homes. You know, this is your job to advocate for them. And so putting your worth up for negotiation is taking you further and further and further away from doing just that. That is so good and so, so true. So let's dive a little deeper into that because I hear from, you know, I have a membership of ESL teachers who I talk to frequently who are just sharing the burden and the the stress that comes with advocating constantly with administrators, with homeroom teachers, for their students, for their families, like you're saying. So how can we look at that and give the listeners some tips for how do you reset that? Like you kind of go down that path and they're they're looking and they're seeing the connection between their mindset, their body, they're feeling that tension, they're feeling that stress. Maybe they had, you know, a conversation with the administrator that didn't go well. How can they then stop right there? You gave what you shared about breathing. What else would you say to kind of then help them to refocus and turn so that they don't keep going down that path of feeling defeated or feeling like nobody else cares about this but me? Sure. And this is something that, you know, I lived in my experience as a music teacher all the time. I mean, advocacy is something that we have to do in everything that we do. Mm -hmm. And I also have to say that advocacy is does not just happen in those difficult conversations. That advocacy yeah. does not happen in, in the school board meeting. It does not happen when the stakes are really high. That is like the emergency reactive advocacy, right? That I actually talk about in my book that doesn't ever feel good. Doesn't mm-hmm. feel good. It is things are on fire and you need to put out the fires in order to save your program and save the kids that you're working with, right? But on the other side of the spectrum, there is this proactive advocacy. And I'll I'll circle back to what your actual question was in a second, but this is important. This proactive advocacy happens every single day that you show up to work, every single day that you are working with these kids. And how then it's like it's a PR campaign. (laughs) I mean, that's that's what we have to do, right? It's like showcasing the brilliant work that is happening in your classroom Mm. every single day, whatever that looks like. I mean, I will tell you, I was the only teacher who had the like leisure section of the uh, newspaper, like the, uh, like the editor of that on speed dial would be like, Hey, Katie, we're doing this really cool thing in my class this week. Do you want to come do an article about it? Yep. And she would come in and do it, or I would go to the local radio station and be like, Hey, I want to tell you about all these amazing things that the kids are doing, because here's the thing, those places like need content, by the way, they're like asking for it. And it's a beautiful way to showcase the amazing things that are happening in your classroom and showcasing kids, especially the kids that your teachers serve, who often are ignored, who are often invisible in the school community. And there's a whole lot of stuff we can go into talking about that if you want to, but we all, but that's, but that's the way it is. Right. And so you as the teacher get to control the narrative yeah. about what that looks like mm-hmm. in a proactive way. So that's, I, I think, that. the first thing, because yes, that I also feels that. empowering, right? It's not reactive anymore. Yeah. And it, it brings teachers back to doing what they do best, and that's teaching, yes. being with their students, showing them love, creating a, a place where they their students are thriving, you know? And so getting back to that first is awesome. Yes, I love that. Yes, idea. right? I mean, my mother still clips articles of me out in the newspaper, and I'm almost 40. Like... <laughs> You know what I mean? So like, here's a place to really allow your kids to shine in a way that's that's beautiful. And we can celebrate 
Absolutely. can celebrate the diverse humanity that exists within these school ecosystems in a way that feels aligned, right? So that's like, I think a big piece of this. But then to to answer your question more directly about like, okay, so we had this difficult conversation and now we feel defeated. That is a beautiful opportunity for you to return to yourself (laughs) because here's the thing. It is so easy for us to point fingers at everyone and everything else in our lives that is making a situation less than satisfactory for us. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, you are the variable. You. Which means that you have to be the change. It's cliche because it's true. And I also want to be clear, this isn't about victim blaming or anything like that. But but if you want to feel empowered in your life, then you have to understand that you have complete responsibility for how you show up in every single space. So mm-hmm. if your heart and your soul is is calling you to advocate for these kids, to be in this job, to make this beautiful impact in this world. You cannot make that impact if you are feeling defeated. Yeah, You just can't. It's not aligned. And so you need to, first of all, let those emotions out. So that's the first (laughs) thing we're going to talk about. Because like I said, emotions happen in your body, thoughts happen in your head. And one of the ways that I'm going to bring back language here is that your language, you know, you can't see your thoughts, you can feel your feelings, but you can hear your words, right? So that's something else that you can say when you start, you know, coming home and you're like, oh my God, I had such a crappy day and this happened and this happened and this happened. That's a beautiful opportunity for you to be like, oh, pause. Huh? That's interesting. I just spouted garbage out of my mouth for 20 minutes. I'm going to take a breath. I'm going to do something about it. Right. Um, and one of the things that we need to do is actually feel our feelings, mm. which means Sometimes we need to just cry. Yeah. Sometimes you need to get in your car and roll up the windows and scream. I love going to a rage room. I bring my kids to a rage room too, which I don't know if you have them around here, but for mm-hmm. those of you who are listening, it's like a new thing that's happening. Uh, a rage room is like you go, you pay 20 bucks and you smash things. Like you get like an axe or a bat or whatever. Really? And you just, oh yeah, it's amazing. (laughs) And you throw like ceramic plates at the wall. Like, yeah, music's blasting. Um, I actually, I I hosted an empowered educator program there at one point we talked about stress and then all of us, and I made sure Beth that we got two really big copy machines for that too. So folks were like, yeah, it was, it was remarkable. Um, but if a rage room isn't available to you, I actually own a punching bag that I stick on my desk and I'm just, because it has to be physical. Mm-hmm. right? Go for a run. Yeah. Um, I, I'm not a runner, but I know that works for lots of people. So, you know, if that's, if that's yeah. something that you like to do, go run, but you, you need to, to get the emotions out because otherwise what happens is the cortisol, which is the stress hormone builds up in your body and it doesn't actually have any place to go. Mm. So we shove it down and we shove it yeah. down and we go into the meeting and we're like, don't cry, don't cry. Like don't lose your cool, but then we don't do anything about it. So what happens is all of that cortisol, all that adrenaline builds up, builds up, builds up years, 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 years go by. And then what happens to us? Like we know this, we get sick Yeah. or, you know, I like mm-hmm. me, my back goes out when I'm feeling this this way. Um, and then we can't actually do anything. Yeah. So part of this too, is making it safe to process emotions in a way that's healthy Mm -hmm. and productive when they don't feel good. This is going to be so empowering for teachers as they go back into the school year, because 
you're you're absolutely right. You know, we we stuff, we carry, we try not to have that blow up moment. Then it happens, and then we take that with us, and it, it's just an endless cycle. So, here are some really helpful ways to to stop it, to break it, because really, it's it's impacting our lives personally, our families, but it's also impacting the way we show up for our students and. Every teacher I talk to that is in the classroom started because they want to show up for their students. They want to do what's best for them. So, okay. So we let out the emotions. And now we get to really, like you said, actually connect back to the reason why you started doing this in the first place. That's one way that you can go is we can go back. The other way that I like to go is actually go forward. And I connect with this future version of me. Mm-hmm. who has done all the things she wants to do, who lives a life of peace and calm and abundance and connection. And then I ask myself, okay, well, what would she do? What would she do in this moment? Mm. And I do that because that's how we make change. You know, we're, we make change in a way that if if we're doing it that in a way that embraces potential and possibility, you are moving into the unknown right? You might not have ever experienced a year of teaching feeling peace and calm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That is unknown to you. And going back to what I said earlier is that your nervous system is going to freak out because it has no evidence of you living in peace and calm and surviving. Yeah. So it's going to shut it down because it doesn't think that you're safe. So this comes with so much intention of who do you want to be? Who do you actually want to be, which is different perhaps than how you're showing up right now? Because if it was the same, then we wouldn't like be here in this moment, right? Yeah. (laughs) So it's, yeah. So it's connecting to that future self or going back to that initial reason why you wanted to show up and do Mm -hmm. this in the first place and make impact in this world. And you ask the question, well, what would they do? Yeah. And then do that. And if your initial answer is, I don't know, that's a beautifully okay response because that's fear tripping up your brain mm-hmm. and pr- trying to protect you into doing something that it doesn't know that doesn't think you can survive doing. So sit with it for a little while longer. And and oftentimes, I really like to think about this as less thinking, more feeling. Mm-hmm. Get out of your mind and get into your body because yeah. we live so much of our lives from the neck up. We forget we even have bodies. Our bodies talk to us all the time, Beth, mm-hmm. and we are just terrible listeners. Yeah. And if you were to really connect, like you know what to do, mm-hmm. yeah. right? You know, that is that gut feeling. That is your instinct. And we are taught that it is not safe to trust ourselves mm. because of a lot of what you just said about other expectations, obligations, judgments traditions. And so we get so caught up in this other space that's pulling us further and further and further away as to who we really are. Mm. And so connecting back to ourselves is the most powerful thing you can do and make decisions from that space. Mm. Because otherwise, you're living other people's lives. You know, And, and here's the thing, our kids are watching you. Mm-hmm. they're watching you. And and so while I say this is, you know, I, I talk mostly to adults in these spaces, this is like really about kids because right now they're seeing all of the adults in their lives so disconnected from themselves, mm-hmm. living in burnout and stress and overwhelm and feeling depleted 
Yeah. That that they think it's normal. Yep. And we don't have space or capacity to hold anything and to show up the way that we want to. So connecting back to ourselves is really important. And then making it safe to make those decisions, which goes back to that nervous system regulation, which, you know, I've shared a couple of ways you can do nervous system regulation. But if you just Google nervous system regulation strategies, you will find a ton of them. And I also have some free resources that I'm happy to share too with your audience. But that that is really it. It's making a new decision and then creating the safety that your nervous system needs to actually execute that decision. I think when we take the time and give ourselves the space to really connect with our bodies, to to really let our emotions be felt. We know what the right answer is. We know what our gut is telling us to do. We know the steps we need to take, even if they're scary, even if we have to step out you know, out of our comfort. But that's where the, you know, the excitement comes from, the joy comes from when you when you do that over living under other people's perceptions of us or expectations of us. Or, you know, that's I, I've been in both. So I, I've seen too, like when you take those time, those small steps and this whole beginning of the year, we've been doing the small step series of just, you know, take that first step of how you're going to support your students or take that first step of how you're going to support yourself, whatever it is, but just taking it down where you see like, it's just one step forward. It's not having to do change everything, but, but connecting your mind, your body and, and putting that into action in some way you know, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah. And when we don't, and we mess up, which we all are going to do, you give yourself grace. Yes. And Absolutely. you just, you know, you just keep, keep going. And essentially, this is all really just about alignment, mm-hmm. alignment with who you want to be, and connected to your thoughts, your beliefs, your actions, the language that you use. That is how you really step into this new version of you who is going to do all of these amazing things in this world. And I I love to do that too, of looking at the future, like what would future Beth or, or the things I need to do now that maybe I don't want to do. And it's like, how much better, like if in six months, if I do these things now, how much better off will I be? And it's always like, yeah, you know, like I'm going to be so thankful. I get these, I do these things now for that future Beth. And so it, it is, if you've read atomic habits, I just love the, like you're either, growing 1% a day forward or backwards, like there's no standing still. So how can we make choices and, you know, going into school year to teachers, just encouraging you create those routines and habits that are are life giving to you, whether that's staying out of the lunchroom, <laughs> um, the teacher's room where there's a lot of negative talk going on and, and, you know, creating that space where you can take some time during the day, even if it's just five minutes, you eat outside or in your classroom or something where you can reconnect, you can, you know, take some breaths. And knowing that you're worthy of taking time for yourself. Yeah. That's, that's really just it, right? You, like you said at the very beginning, you can't pour from an empty vessel. And we know in our heads, like, oh, you know, we got to put the oxygen yeah. <laughs> on first, you know, whatever. But like, what does that actually look like? Yeah. You know, are you protecting your boundaries? Are other people protecting your boundaries? Yeah. When you say, I actually need to go outside and eat lunch. And when someone's like, hey, can I talk to you for a second? And you're like, actually, no. Do they continue? And like, oh, well, it's just going to take a second. Or do they say, okay, I'll, I'll come back later. Yeah. I mean, those are the kind of things Absolutely. that we need to protect and, and preserve in yeah. order to create sustainable change. And just thinking too, you know, it, it really takes just one teacher to kind of start setting up those boundaries, setting up that 
that style of living and others are going to want to see that others are, uh, we all desire that. I think it's just take someone to get off the hamster wheel of craziness to then say, Oh, there's, there's an exit. How do I, how do I do that? You know, how do I set those boundaries too? So a hundred percent. Yeah. We all that's, you know, we all have to be the change individually, but within community organizations don't change until people change. So stop pointing the fingers about how our system's broken. Yeah, of course it's broken. And deep breathing isn't going to fix the problem. That's ridiculous. However, (laughs) when we all change the Mm -hmm. way that we show up, that is in alignment with the fullest, most beautiful, authentic expression of us. That's how everything changes. That's powerful. Well, Jen, we're running out of time, but if you could share where the listeners can find more about you. Yeah, absolutely. So the easiest thing to do is empowerededucator.com. And on my resources page, there's a couple of free resources really along the lines of some of the things that we were talking about today, um, how to regulate your nervous system, what to do when you're feeling really burned out. And uh, that's a great place to go. The other place I would say is the Facebook group that I have, which is Empowered Educator Faculty Room. And I've got lots of content on there. And always, you can email me at jen at empowerededucator.com. Well, thank you so, so much for taking your time with us today. This is going to be transformative for the listeners as they get back into school this year. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for joining me in today's episode. All links and resources mentioned can be found in the show notes. If you're looking for even more support and done-for-you resources created specifically for the needs of ELLs, head to inspiringyounglearners.com. I'll catch you here next week. Until then, take that next step to keep equipping your ELLs.